Hi-ho, this is Kermit the Frog for JudgeCast News. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 128. My name is CJ Schrader and with me as always, my two something co-hosts. So I got Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And Brian Perlman. It's kind of hard to come with a with a pun when it's an email yeah, show. Yeah, it's an email show. <laughs> I was going to say my two male co-hosts. I guess I should have just done it. <laughs> I mean, it's a true statement. Um, yeah, so Jess is actually in the room with me again because he's in town for Dragon Con because he does such things. I think this happened last year for Dragon Con. Yeah, also. I think so. Uh, and he was doing something weird at the start and I wasn't sure what it was all about. So it threw me off my game. What were you doing? I, I could when you're doing your we we always have this period of silence before the episode. Yeah, but we have the game turned way up because I'm in the room, so like I could hear you writing. Oh, and all that, <laughs> and I was trying to point it out. I'm gonna be extra extra quiet in my writing. Um, we also have a gel very- pens. Gel pens help. <laughs> gel pens. Gel pens. Those will fix that. Uh, we also have a very special guest on. We have Nicolette. A prize. A prize. Ah, oh, so close. Hey, Nicolette, welcome on. Nicolette's also in the room with me. Yeah, this is Nicoletta Prize. Who are you? Hello. Where are you from? I am an L2 from Madison, Wisconsin. You said Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin. Is that is that like a suburb? <laughs> yeah, it's Wisconsin, I'm Wisconsin. I'm thinking of this replay. Uh, so they have a slight audio issue where they hear what they're saying almost immediately after they say it, which if anyone's ever done that, it's almost impossible to talk, but they're going to soldier through. It's like living in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> right, you really if you can do Wisconsin, you can deal with these issues. You don't, you don't really have a really uh, a Wisconsin accent, though. Oh, no, I've dis- been there for a year. I've been a little disappointed. Wisconsin. That's like, that's like saying Wisconsin. Jess doesn't have an Alabama accent, right? Hey, I, I wonder. You know, if we go back and listen to old, old, uh, old episodes, I wonder if we could tell like a like a hillbillyization of his accent. Yeah, we'll see. All right, so as Brian awesome. already said, this is an email episode. Uh, you know, Limited Resources did one, Card Advantage did one, and I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. Uh, why don't we do one, too? Plus, we have a ton of emails to get caught up on, because we have been skipping them with such awesome guests as Ricky and Damian, etc. So, But not Nicolette? <laughs> Nic- we're obviously not skipping emails with Nicolette here. <laughs> we're literally about to t- do them. I-, I think he was saying you said we had awesome guests, so we skipped emails. Yeah. And, and now, uh, <laughs> now we have Nicolette. Now so that Nicolette's like a- here, we will do it. <laughs> <leave>. uh, <laughs> all right, let's just dive right into the first one. It's from David. He says, how do you deal with communication problems in competitive? I don't mean PCV, wait, CPV <laughs> now, uh, but when players communicate and end up in a state that it's not easily fixed. For example, a player says, okay, and the opponent says, end of turn, do this, untaps and draws, and the first player says he wasn't passing the turn. I'd like to dive into this one. Well, what do you think you do? I, this is actually an interesting question because they're all different. Yeah. Every time it comes up, it's a different scenario. Uh, in yeah. the specific scenario that he's talking about here, um, what he does at end of turn is relevant. And we want to find out how the, uh, the players have been communicating with one another up to this point. If he's like, end of turn, I'm going to do 50 million things and wait for them to resolve and then untap and draw, that's different than if he just goes, okay, untaps and draw, because there has to be some communication there between the players. Um, in this specific scenario, Brian, what do you think you would do? Uh, if a player if a player says, okay, and the opponent says, end of turn, do this, untaps and draws, and like does something at the end of turn, um, generally what happens is, is if it is the non-active player just misunderstanding what was going on, then he casts some spells and he, he untapped and he drew a card. Obviously, he's advancing the turn before he's going to be able to go before he's able to go forward. So we're going to be looking at uh, a, a game rule violation if the non-active player misheard, misunderstood, and started doing things out of out of turn. Normally, what happens though is the active player is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing?" Uh, I wasn't done this, 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 and the players just kind of work it out themselves. So there isn't really a, a judge call in the, in those terms. Now we definitely want to ask some questions because what we don't want to have happen is we don't have, we, we don't want the active player intentionally trying to be vague about things so that 
he can he can play the IPG game um, and try and get uh, penalties for his opponent. So obviously, it's going to be ask some questions, figure out what's going on, get him, try and get him to agree on what was going on, and then make a decision based on that information. And that actually goes true for any communication issue, like where you have players arguing, maybe arguing about what step they're in in the turn, or whether or not somebody attacked with a creature, you know, the the turn or so before. When they disagree, uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to talk, try and figure out the uh, uh, what you think happened, and then make a ruling based on what you think happened. Now, is one player going to air quotes win and one player going to air quotes lose? Uh, yes, but you're not really ruling in somebody's favor or not. It's just, here's the information I've got. Here's what I believed happened. It doesn't mean that someone's lying. It doesn't mean that someone's cheating. You can both believe two completely opposite things, and you're both correct in what you believe happened. Right. The important thing to remember there is that nobody is trying to gain an advantage in that scenario, but by intentionally doing something. Yep. All right. Next email. The next email is from James. Uh, it says, just had a quick question, even though it's, I think, the longest It might be question. the longest one. Uh, it says, just had a quick question concerning the Battlefield layout. At this weekend's pre-release, I had to attend the a 2HG event. Uh, oh, no wonder it's a long question. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it has nothing to do with the two-headed giant. Yeah, it actually is not a two-headed giant question, which surprised me. It's a red herring. Um, so the judge said at the event, uh, as he was going through the player meeting... That he went over the changes that will be tried up at the upcoming Pro Tour. And uh, when he got to the battlefield layout, he said it was a change that Watsi had begun to enforce. And some of the players in the event spoke up since they knew that was not a steadfast rule. And when they called him out and said it was going to be tested for feature matches at Pro Tour events, his response was, well, I'm enforcing it. It will only affect a few of you, so just deal with it. When asked what will happen if we don't, he said you won't like the result. So the question is, what could a judge do as far as DQ or match loss a player for not following this order at a pre-release level event? And this question can be broken into two things, which is the answer to the question that it was asked here and the answer to the question he's trying to ask. The answer to the question he asked is that the head judge has the authority to disqualify you or match loss you for, for those things because they're the head judge of the event. The policy doesn't support them doing this, but they do have the authority to do so. So you should not, if somebody said, if the head judge tells you to do something and after discussion, they believe that's the policy, if you really don't have much you can do other than, than, than try to politely talk to them about it or educate them after the fact. In the case of what it is actually supported in policy, obviously, as was mentioned, this changes only for pro tour level events and only during video coverage. Um, and in fact, all of the video rules in that section only apply to uh, coverage during uh, competitive REL and professional REL events. So things that happen at regular REL don't matter here, or, or don't, rather don't fall into that, uh, that section of the IPG, and that section is only for video coverage anyway. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of got the vibe. That this guy just, you know, from from the obviously you're gonna get from the, from the email itself uh, uh, a, a rather colored view of uh, of of the of the person's perspective. But I kind of got the vibe from this that the 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 guy that was the judge of the pre-release was more like this is just the way I want it, and it's gonna be that way. Deal with it. Yeah, and unfortunately, if you're the head judge, if you decide that day that swamps top tap for two black. You can do that. You're the head judge. You may never head judge anything ever again, but you can do that. Yeah. And and this is this is a great time. I'll I'll plug uh com slash feedback, uh which is the handy dandy hyperlink to the uh to the uh what is it, the feed the judge feedback form. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh so I always wonder if, if when I post that people think it's feedback for us. Right. I was going to say, as with most of our shortened URLs, that is not a link to one of our web pages. It's just a way to remember how to get to the feedback form because no one can remember the whole URL. Yeah, it's like Google QR two three billion other letters. Yeah. So, so that is that is our our handy dandy. Uh, uh, URL. just like we don't actually own the destination for judgecast.com slash cats. <laughs> Yes, that's the secret one, Brian. I never talked about that one. So if you have feedback oh. about a judge 
There is a judge feedback form you can fill out. You can find this form at judgecast.com slash feedback. Yep. All right. Uh, so the next question is from Aaron. He asks, uh, if I control... Um, uh, if I control Tainted Remedy, which uh, is if an opponent would gain life, that player loses that much life instead. So if I control Tainted Remedy, and my opponent controls Whip of Erebos, and he or she is attacking me, if I control, and he or she is attacking me for lethal damage, would me taking damage, them gaining life, and having it replaced with losing life with Tainted Remedy all happen at the same time? Could this result in a draw if the opponent would die from life loss? I don't believe it's a trigger, but do replacement effects use the stack? So the last the last part is replacement effects don't use the stack. So you look at the event, and if a replacement uh, uh, event affects that event, uh, then that's then in, then that's what the new event is. You apply the replacement effect right then and there, and it replaces the thing. It happens at the same time. Uh, that the unmodified event would happen. So, um, in the setup that you've described, uh, you have uh, you have a tainted remedy, and your opponent has a like a two-two life link. Uh, both of you are at two. Uh, if he swings with his two-two and isn't blocked, you're both going to die. So, what's going to happen is the damage event is going to occur. Uh, there would be life gain due to lifelink that occurs at the exact same time as the damage being gained. Lifelink is not a trigger. Uh, and then the Tainted Remedy would replace that life gain with life loss. So when the game checks state-based actions, y'all are both at zero. That's sad. Deal with it. Deal with it. Just like the previous judge would have said. Exactly. You're both dead. You know, deal with it. <laughs> you're, both, you're both dead. You're both dead with it. What, when we say, well, what, what if we don't want to be, be, both be dead? Uh, well, like the, the outcome? won't like the result. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I actually I actually love that. That's that's like such a thing that like when my kid is saying, yeah, but what, you know, I, I tell her don't use a bad word. She's like, but what if I did? Well, daddy would be unhappy. Well, then what would you do? You know, and then she just keeps doing the but what then, but what then, but what then? That you won't like the result is kind of like you giving up at the end of that chain. <laughs> <laughs> or you, you just turn into the Hulk. You just do it. You see what happens. I guarantee you, you won't like the result. It's because you're just you're just tired answering the questions. Can't do it anymore. All right. So the next one's from Michael. He says you mentioned that the change to casting spells causes profit of crew fix to no longer allow you to bestow creatures at instant speed. However, profit specifies creature cards. So when the legality check happens, shouldn't it ignore the pretend aura and see the cardboard for the creature it really is deep down inside, uh, allowing the spell casting to continue? Some artistic license has been taken with some of these questions. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, although it does say creature cards, creature cards are just referring to permanents on the battlefield that are not tokens. And so even though it says creature card, there is a continuous effect that is applying to it that is making it not a creature. And so you'd still, unfortunately, not be able to bestow it at instant speed. There's a common misconception that card means you don't look at any continuous effects, and that's not actually true. Yeah, and so there's... yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk about manifest, but we won't move. We won't go there. I mean, we could go there really quickly. Yeah. Like, well, manifest. manifest manifest doesn't look at specifically ignores continuous effects in the rules for manifest. It, it uses the words ignoring continuous effects. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it it also says the word creature card, uh, but in the in the rules it does a little bit does a little bit more explaining. So you can say. But but this says creature card and pays attention to continuous effects. This says creature card and doesn't. Oh, it's more than just the rules on the card. You actually have to go into the comp rules and look at it. And an example of that would be like manifesting a god when you don't have devotion. You're not looking at the amount of devotion you have and seeing whether or not it is a creature. You're just going to look at it and manifest it regardless of devotion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I, I kind of always forget which way the gods start off at. <laughs> so it took me a second there. I was like, wait, is it? Okay. Alright, next email is from Will. 
says, okay, this should be easy, but it sparks some discussion. Albert has Geralt's messenger, and Norma has Palatian Accord out. Uh, the messenger comes into play tapped, and Palatian Accord gets shield counters whenever an opponent's creature becomes tapped. Does the Accord get a counter for the messenger entering the battle, uh, entering tapped? <clears throat> and the answer is no, it does not. So when something asks uh, to do something whenever a card becomes tapped, it kind of means literally that. Not it entered tapped, but it was untapped and went into the state of being tapped. So, you know, you attack, you use an activated ability that requires a tap, ETC, ETC. Uh, also, who plays this card? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> I like palliation of court police. Whoa, come on now. Oh, come on. You just looked it up too. Do you? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a dissension? What? No. That's the set it was in. <laughs> I was just giving. But I, I remember the card. I've never heard of it, but. Oh, it's an uncommon. Okay. But the point is, a creature entering the battlefield tapped is not the same as a creature uh, becoming tapped. Otherwise, every single creature with the uh, the Theros dreaming mechanic would trigger when it enters the battlefield because it's untapped. What is that? Uh, inspire? Yeah. 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 Inspired yeah. is when it untapped. Yeah. It, just call it the dreaming, dreaming mechanic. The dreaming yeah. mechanic. You are such a flavor nerd. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think, you know what? And I think that wasn't even what it ended up as. I think that's what, like, it was in design, but I've right. never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. It's you, 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 Rosewater Tumblr blog. I know, I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the next, we, we answered that question. We're good? Yeah. Okay. We're good. The next question comes from Philip from Sweden. It says, I judged my first event as a certified judge. Congratulations. A PBTQ with 50 players yesterday. I ended up issuing quite a few missed trigger warnings to burn players for missing their goblin guide triggers. The fact that the trigger is detrimental and missing it should constitute a warning seems like a no-brainer to me. Here's the question, though. Is it acceptable for a purpose to, uh, sorry, for a player to, on purpose, allow their opponent to miss the trigger, and calling for a judge at the first available opportunity with the express purpose of getting the trigger put on the stack and their opponent getting a warning for missing a detrimental trigger? The important part here is whether it is acceptable for the non-active player to do this on purpose. And that is acceptable. It may be something that's a little less than sporting if you're trying to get warnings out of it, but a player is never held responsible for triggered abilities that their opponent controls. And it's important to point out that this only applies to triggered abilities, not things like replacement effects or other game rules, and that there is a time limit on that. There is a turn. Uh, if we reach the same step or phase in the next player's turn before it's called out or caught, we're not going to be putting that on the stack at all. Um, in the case of Goblin Guy. Does anybody have anything they want to add to that? Yeah, it's it's kind of one of these things where it it ha- it kind of has to be acceptable, right? Like, because the, the other person, the non-active player, can, you know, legitimately remember, uh, you know, f- you know, a, a few a few a step or two later or a spell or two later or something like that because he missed it too because the other person didn't point out his goblin guide trigger so and then he's like hey wait i should get that thing now since uh we allowed him to you know since we allow them to like notice and not say anything but we also allow them to if they do genuinely remember you know bring it up well you kind of start getting into this point of it's like well we let them do it if they genuinely remember, but if they notice and then they kind of sit on it for a little while and bring it up later, both the action is legal, but the intent is what makes it illegal. That's kind of, eh, we, we really don't want, we really kind of define things by the action, doing the action, uh, doing an illegal action is kind of one of the requisites for cheating. Okay. Doing a legal action is not a requisite for cheating. So, yes, it feels kind of scummy, but it's kind of a, a, a necessary consequence or a, a loophole. And by making the, the window of opportunity only a turn, we kind of we kind of reduce the the potential for the uh, non-active player to take advantage of that. I would like to point out one other thing. If you were the judge witnessing this at competitive REL and you see a detrimental trigger occur, you should step in immediately. Anytime you're going to issue a warning for a trigger, you should step in immediately and correct the issue. Yep. All right. Uh, Next one from Daniel. He asks, first question is DCI number protection. Uh, You know, how do you you prevent the magic equivalent of identity theft? 
uh, keeping someone like player A from going to a tournament using player B's DCI number and name and getting in trouble and getting player B banned because of it. Um, so let's he has he has a second question, but let's let's address that one first. So um, how do you, how do you prevent the magic equivalent of identity theft? Well, you see, there's several websites where you can log in and check your magic uh, credit score. <laughs> And uh, and then set up for alerts in case your credit score starts to drop kind of low. I like freedciscore.com. Freedciscore.com. Um, <laughs> so um, how do we prevent someone from using someone else's number? Uh, well, we don't really have uh, a way if, if player A walks up and gives you player B's number uh, and tells you that he is player B. Uh, we don't have a whole lot. We are we the judges don't really have a whole lot to reason to question that person, unless we know that person. Uh, someone else later in the event tells us like, "Hey, I played against my round three opponent is a guy named John, but it said on the slip Bob. Uh, what's up with that?" So really, the players themselves are kind of our, our first line of defense in in catching that kind of thing. Uh, with regard to player uh a using player b's dci number getting in trouble like getting banned for cheating well that's going to be something that uh um that the investigation committee is going to come up with you know the person's the player a is probably not going to make a statement and then when the investigation committee contacts player b and says like uh we're contacting you about your disqualification player b is going to be like wait what <laughs> and there's going to be a conversation and then you're not and then it's going to come out that it wasn't player B. It might not come out that it was player A. Uh, that might spawn more discussions, you know, getting the head judge of the event evolved, trying to figure this out, what's going on. But I cannot really imagine a scenario where the investigation committee would be like, nah, this player B guy, he's just the best liar ever. You know, it was really him. So Yeah, there was a weird scenario with a PPTQ. Uh, and I don't remember what the head judge decided to do with it, but a player had signed up with his brother's DCI because he forgot his DCI number and uh, didn't want to admit it and then went on to win the PTQ. And uh, I don't actually remember how they dealt with it, but it was a problem where you're like, oh, what do we actually do in that situation? Um, well, one thing I'd like to point out that wasn't mentioned yet is that you as a player have access to a record of your own events. Uh, if you log on to uh, the Planeswalker Points website, which is planeswalkerpoints.com, uh, you can log in there and see all of the events that you have ever played with that DCI member. And if there's an event there that wasn't one you played in, they have a form where you can say, there's this error, I didn't play in this event. Yep. All right. There are a number of ways that could happen. Either somebody pretended to be you in an event, or more likely, there was a fake event created and some people were added to it. That that actually can happen, especially when a store is having events that are kind of close to the numbers necessary to get advanced. So Yeah, that, yeah. that's something that has been getting a lot better, but stores have historically been known to do if they're a little less reputable. Uh, his second question is, at my local game store, we draft uh, once a month. Uh, when we draft, we have about 15 to 25 players, but it's such a small, friendly, non-competitive community. Uh, we'd all uh, rather play all possible opponents than just play out in our draft pod. Um, so the question basically boils down to is, how can I make a, a, a were Wizards event reporter uh, pair across pods? Um, pair outside just, of pods, a pair, pair outside of pot. So Jess, uh, you, you've probably got the most war experience out of all of us. Uh, you, the, the, this is a thing you can do, but it's a little tricky because you never think about it until after you've made pairings. And once you've made pairings, it's too late to change. Uh, so you have to delete those pairings and go back if you've already made pairings. But what you do is after you've created draft pods and you go to create pairings, before you click the create pairings button, there is a drop-down menu that, if I remember correctly, defaults to uh, pairing inside pods. And you can just click it, and there's an option for uh, pairing outside of pods. I believe that is called cross-pod cross pairing in, in that drop-down menu. Uh, but once you click Create Pairings, that drop-down menu goes away, and you can't see it anymore. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, this next one is quick. 
Eric, he wants to know just a quick question about layers. Let's say there are two cards that are in the same layer and come into play at the same time. What happens? So he gave an example in email too, but it involved gods and stars filled <laughs> nicks. But effectively, it's the question is like if I if there's an enchantment that says all creatures are one ones and another enchantment that says all creatures are two twos and they all enter at the exact same time, what happens? Right, and so typically. There's the thing called timestamps, but when things are entering at the same time, we're not going to use those. Now, unless there are dependencies, and I'm, I'm sure there's an episode about those, things that are coming in at the same time, you're going to get to choose. So if you have things that say your guys are one ones, and another one that says your guys are five fives, you're going to get to choose the timestamp, er, the timestamp, and therefore which one's actually going to occur. So to be clear, you're saying that we do use timestamps for yes. Okay. Yeah, you use timestamps, but because they entered at the same time, you get to choose which timestamp is first. That's pretty much it on that one. Yeah, so this is only the situation where they enter simultaneously. Yeah, Warp World! Warp World, yep, Warp World will do it. Unless it's a creature timestamp and an enchantment timestamp, because Warp World puts the enchantments in second. Does put the enchantments in second. Why does it do that, huh? Auras. Thank you. Shut up, Brian. One of my two standard (laughs) decks was a Warp World deck, okay? I know. All right, our next email is from Callie Rainwater. She says... Ahoy, I'm Petty Officer. She actually wrote that. I'm Petty Officer Rainwater, and I'm from the Navy. I've been really enjoying listening to your podcast. I especially like all the banter. It keeps it entertaining. Are there Petty Officers outside the Navy? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Do they say ahoy? I don't believe that the Navy says ahoy. I don't think anyone ahoy. says ahoy. Yeah, and I actually said that in my email back to her. I'm like, I don't think anyone actually says ahoy. Oh. <laughs> Relatively new level one judge. Haven't judged many events, but I already know I want to work on qualifying for level two. With that in mind, I want to be sure to avoid making common mistakes and make sure the judges I work with at larger events want to contribute working with, continue, excuse me, continue working with me in the future. What are some things judges you've worked with have done that made you leery of working with them again? So showed up late, showed, showed up late is exactly the first thing that came into my mind. Uh, I just feel like there's nothing more unprofessional you can do than show up late. Um, and another one is and not call and not call. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you get in traffic or something, but. I, I almost always try to give my, my phone number and a head judge email so that people can actually call me. Plus, it's on Facebook. Yeah. Um, not showing up in uniform. You know, you show up wearing blue jeans. I think if Petty Officer Rainwater doesn't show up in uniform, <laughs> she, she or she is going to have some significant problems in life other than the judging. Right. And uh, so, basically, like, what I look for in a judge, like, you know, things like policy and... Although, if this is a competitive event, you know, at least make it seem like you've studied policy a little bit. You know, you've made an attempt. Um, and He's rules, saying fake it. Yeah. And rules, you can learn that kind of stuff. But if you show up at the event and, I don't know, you're just sloppy, you spend most of your time talking to your friends in the corner with your back to the event or, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, just browsing the store items or, or something like that. If, if you don't, like, basically act like you realize you're being paid to be here. You know, like you're you're being given money to do this job, so do the job. And if you're listening to all of this and going, well, all of this seems obvious, do the obvious stuff. Yeah. Turns out the reason why we're saying all of this stuff is because it's not obvious for everybody. Yeah. But most judges I work Uh, with do this stuff. But I'm just saying these are the kinds of things that would make me not want to work with someone again. Right, like it, it, it hasn't. I've had events where I've had to tell a judge, you know, stop talking to your boyfriend slash girlfriend and go do work. You know, that that kind of thing is sets a real bad precedent, especially if it's the first time, the first time you guys right. have worked together. Um, yeah, I remember some of my earliest reviews are um, from like Casey Hogan or who certified me for level one, or stuff like who you had written out. Um, didn't get distracted by the vendors. And I was like, well, is that a thing that could happen? Like, <laughs> I didn't understand uh, that this was... Were these vendors really awesome? Who were I, these I don't know. Well, so today, I still mean? don't... I don't care what they have out there. Nothing's going to distract me. But nobody knew that at the point, at that time. But, I mean, to me, that was so obvious. Like, I'm, I'm being paid in this cardboard to do this. And not right. only are you being paid, but it's the mindset of, you know, it, especially if you're new and you're starting to make a name for yourself... Mm-hmm. Each event you work at is kind of a working interview for the next event you want to yeah, work at. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, re- really, just, I guess, probably the best way to just say it is just 
not giving a damn. Yeah. <laughs> right? That, that like, right there it sums it up. Yeah. That's what makes me leery. Just act like you care a little bit. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Act like, don't act like you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, act like you care about the event. You understand that you're there to do a job and you're going to get it done correctly. And if you don't know how to do it correctly, ask some questions. <laughs> because the, oh, last, yeah. the, the last thing I want you to do is go solve a problem that you don't know how to solve without asking a question. Go go do X and you say, on it, and then you just wander off and go do... You just you didn't understand what they asked and you just tried to figure it out because you were embarrassed. Right. And if, you, if I say, go put table numbers up, and you look at the table numbers, you're like, I'm not sure how these are supposed to go up. Ask, how do you want these set up? Because that's better than setting it up wrong and having us have to redo it five minutes before the event. <laughs> or, or you have a question, you do something, you're not sure that you did it right, and then you don't say anything, and you just kind of cross your fingers and hope. <laughs> just hope no one notices. <laughs> hope no one notices. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we could probably go on for an entire episode about just the what not to do in an event. Well, we actually, we actually yeah. did have an episode. I was about to say, we did have an episode. Uh, what was that? What was the name it's of that? Bad, bad Habits of Good L1s. Yeah. All right. That was that was like three years ago. Too. <laughs> a long time. It was a long time ago. Actually, um, just just as a, something to to email. So we've been doing this for about uh, that was almost four years. Now. Yeah, we've Jeez. we've been doing this. This group of us, we've been doing it for about three and a half, four years now, and we're we've covered a lot of topics, and we have not really gone back and rehashed a lot of topics. Uh, so. If there is a subject that that you th- you want us to cover, you know, write in and tell us. And if it's you know, we we can go back and we can revisit. I mean, it's been it's been almost three years since we did the layers episode. Yeah, we should do the return to Ravnica fact again. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> People are like, I just feel like they could have done that better. <laughs> yeah, it's like I still don't understand how Cipher works. Let's. Uh... <laughs> I probably so forgot. Let's cover that up. Let's do that again. At this, yeah, but uh, I was say, at this time, we had a uh, contest to post a picture of you hugging a judge. I didn't. I forgot we even did that. That was not a good contest. No, that was a terrible contest. The, the, the really panda bear, the the, the bear, bear contest was amazing. I know, and it was so good that we've never done another contest because I don't feel like we feel like we can top it. I don't think we can really top it yeah. either. I mean, the guy with the panda bear riding the rocking horse uh, was just oh, it was really good. Yes. So good. This is also one of the old episodes where we're <laughs> really off topic, but we're zooming through these emails. Uh, where this is the early days, particularly for me, and I always pushed for us to have two topics per episode because I felt like no one topic could fill an episode. Every time we come up with like a really meaty topic, yeah, so you'd be like, but what else are we going to talk yeah, about? Yeah, what else? So, like, there was always like a B script, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like we can't just talk about the the IPG updates. All yeah. they did was add la- lapsing triggers. Right. <laughs> oh. oh man, good times. All right. So okay. So the next question is from Tanner. Tanner had a question about Grove of the Burn Willows and undoing mana abilities. It is very common to see a player tap a land or mana dork and then untap it because they changed their mind. However, at a competitive REL event, when I tried to untap my Grove after, after using it for colored mana so my opponent gained a life, and my opponent said I couldn't, we called a judge, and the judge ruled I could not untap my Grove. I appealed because I believe that since my opponent gaining one life was part of the mana ability and that it did not cause any triggers and nothing else happened in the game, that I should be allowed to undo it. The head judge upheld the ruling. Am I wrong in believing that Grove of the Burn Willows is a reversible mana ability? As far as I know, there is no such thing as a reversible mana ability. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I wasn't the only one. <laughs> like, I had to double check myself because I'm like, that sounds sounds like something that could exist. Um, well, it's what probably... I, that's how this works on Moto, if I remember correctly, on MTGO. If there's no trigger that came from activating a mana ability, you can undo it. Frequently, this is how players play with one another. They don't require the exactness of a computer program of, oh, no, you tapped that, you have to pay, you have to use that. Technically, there is no rule that allows you to undo mana abilities. So, no, it's not a reversible mana ability. That being said, if something was very quickly, I'll tap this, no, wait, I'll tap these other ones, most of the time players are fine with that. 
and judges are not going to need to get involved. So this is really something players normally handle on their own. If a judge is getting involved, usually that means that we have some confusion, and you're, they're probably going to stick with what was tapped. Yeah, and especially, especially if you tap the grove and say, like, gain a life, then the opponent's like, sweet, I gained a life. You know, he, want, he wants that, or that, that, that player wants to keep that life. Uh, because you gave it to them, you did an action, and th- everybody agreed that it was done, and it was done. So it was done. Yeah, I, this one's a big have to be there, see the exact situation kind of question. If you want a technically precise ruling, once you've tapped a land for mana, it, it can't be untapped. But many players do not play that way. Yeah, especially All since right. MTGO allows it. Yeah, like I think if MTGO didn't allow it, you'd have the opposite problem where nobody would allow it. Yeah, I think that's true. It's generally, generally like when someone starts tapping, starts tapping land, they're like, oh, well, they're trying to figure out like how to cast the spell. And so because right when you cast a spell, you get to you get to activate the mana bills and stuff like that. And just like when you're declaring attackers and stuff like that, you might be like, hold on, not done yet. And you put this guy forward and this guy forward and try and figure out no pull this guy back and then say now done. That same mentality can also apply to like tapping, tapping lands and stuff like that. If you're getting ready to cast a spell and you're trying to figure out moving this and moving this and moving this, then that's kind of the same uh, mentality. You're kind of broadcasting through your through your actions, not done yet. And that's um, part of the reason why if you cast a spell incorrectly or you don't have the right amount of mana, the reason why they put paying the costs in the actual cast uh, parts of casting a spell is so that if you don't have it, it's not like, oh, well, you tap those lands, you can't go back even though you couldn't actually cast that card. You're still going to get your penalty for casting it incorrectly, but they're going to let you untap your lands. So I think that might be a confusing part. All right. Uh, so this one's from Andrew. He asks, I have an interesting question I'd like to propose. Um, good, because if it wasn't interesting, we wouldn't be reading it. Um, I have an interesting yeah. question I'd like to propose <laughs> and not and not tell you the outcome of what actually happened. Ooh, so we got a little bit of suspense. I know, and we actually um, still don't have the outcome yet. I know, we still Because I just don't. responded today. This is actually why we're reading it is because we have to find out what happened. Um, so a buddy of mine was playing at a sealed PPTQ this past weekend. His opponent had Warhorn on the battlefield. And uh, Warhorn says attacking creatures get plus one plus oh. Uh, he had it on the battlefield and attacked with uh, uh, with two 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 creatures uh, before uh, creatures before Warhorn static ability, which I guess is the, the last part doesn't really matter. Uh, his opponent said take four instead of six, which would have been the correct amount because the Warhorn would have uh, made them three twos. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, Warhorn says attacking creatures you control get plus one plus zero. Plus one plus zero. Yeah. Okay. Um, so note that it's not a trigger. Um, it's, a stat- it's a static ability. Just if the creature's attacking, it gets plus one plus oh. Uh, so my friend took the four damage knowing it should have been six. Whoa. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, later that turn, the opponent said to my buddy, Oh, sorry, you're supposed to say take six. I forgot about the Warhorn. My buddy said, no, you missed your trigger. It's only four damage. My buddy 100% thought 100% it was a triggered ability, not a static ability. What's the correct fix for this situation? Um, so f- first off, let's, let's, let's talk about uh, whether or not this is cheating or something else. Um, f- first off, um, if, if your buddy... Uh, uh, is trying to run the oh I th- I thought it was a trigger scam. Uh, that is something that players occasionally try and do. Uh, so we are aware of it. Um, and we will poke at that. If I believe that he is uh trying to use that oh I thought it was a trigger to get out of it, he's gone. Okay, gone as in he would be disqualified for lying about it. Yes, he's disqualified for for noticing noticing an error. Uh, well, I mean, actually, not even just lying about it, but noticing an error, uh, noticing a rules violation, and not saying anything to gain advantage from it, and then lying about it. Also, I mean, that's that's two two bad things. Um, so, however, okay, if he is able to convince me that he legitimately believed that it was a trigger. Uh, then what we're dealing with is a game rule violation. Okay. Uh, should have taken six. Uh, didn't. Both players agreed 
uh, uh, four at the time. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at whether or not we can we can rewind the game uh, at that particular point. It, rewind the game if if we can't, then we leave the game as it is, and if we can, uh, we do, and then continue on playing from there. Yeah. So I actually just checked our emails, and we did get the answer to what happened at the event. Oh, I know. What did he get? I'm sitting here in suspense, CJ. Tell me. His his friend was disqualified. <laughs> I, I but, kind of assumed that was going to be the, yeah. the, the outcome, given the way he was adamant that it was 100% a triggered ability. Oh, yeah. Um, and and the, the, uh, in the case where I, as the head judge, believe that you thought it was a triggered ability and not a static ability, uh, that's not a situation where you're lying to me about it. And right. So now you're disqualified. Um, but if I believe that you are then you're going to be disqualified from the event. Uh, so that's, that's uh, it sounds like may have been an unfortunate situation for this player. Yep. All right, so the next one is from Callie Rainwater, who is also Petty Officer Callie Rainwater from the Navy again. Yeah. Um, I believe, yeah. <laughs> it's a different Callie. Unless Why there's more than one. <laughs> there's no Ahoy greeting, so I'm not sure. It, it, that one did not have an Ahoy greeting, that is... That's true. Oh, so this is a this is a, a fake. Oh, I'm sorry, it did. She said. Oh. she said. Ahoy! It's Petty Officer Rainwater again. Today I'll be from Melbourne. Oh, she's moving around a lot. Oh. So her question of the day. Uh, my question today is something that a friend of mine brought up in a game of Commander. He mentioned how people would try to keep their spells from getting countered or otherwise responded to by retaining priority and casting a spell with split second. It is my understanding that this kind of trickery wouldn't actually work since people would have a chance to respond after the spell with split-second resolves. And she wants confirmation that she's in fact correct so she can make her friends listen to the podcast. uh, Or an explanation of why she's wrong. So if they're going to be forced to listen to the podcast, you are correct. Yeah, every time. (laughs) (laughs) If it's free advertising, you're right. (laughs) And so, yes, while... The the spell with split second is on the stack. You can't respond to it. Um, but once the split second spell has responded, we're still going to pass priority back and forth, which means once the split second spell is off the stack, the opponent is free to cast whatever spells he or she may want to do. Uh, and in this case, probably counter whatever it is you were trying to protect. Judgecast.com for the people that are made to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hello. It's kind of a common misunderstanding with split second. Welcome to the new reader. Er, Listeners? Listeners. Listeners. (laughs) We got this. (laughs) Welcome, new listeners. I mean, the show notes have gotten pretty extensive over the years. Uh, They've gotten shorter over the years. Like, compare how much I wrote at the beginning to how much I write now. Guy who doesn't read the show notes right here. So, friends make friends listen to Judgecast. Yes. True story. So this wasn't uh, really an email, but Josh Carr made magic cards out of all of my cats. And uh, I can't just let that go unmentioned, so I'll include pictures of those in the show notes. Ryan, can I put you on the spot? Because we have a little bit of extra time. Uh, you just did. Do you believe in 10 minutes or less? Because this is another, uh, another question from David, who we wrote an email from earlier. Um, do you believe you could explain... What exactly you're looking for an exemplar recommendation in ten minutes or less? Oh yeah, I can I can do that and we never I can name that song in two notes. We never mentioned this, but you you are now in charge of the exemplar program. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. Uh, yes. So uh, uh, Kim uh, Kim Warren, the for, uh, the former lead, has uh, uh, currently she's she's uh, stepped down from uh, from L four to L three. Uh, and one of the, the duties that she handed over, cause she was just finding, I mean, like with everything, you know, life starts getting involved, uh, involved and she was doing other things that was taking time from judging. So she wasn't able to give certain things, the attention that they deserved. Uh, so she solicited, uh, a few months ago, she solicited for a replacement and we've kind of been doing a, a, a slow transition uh, with me kind of taking taking over full on at the end of this current wave, which was which was wave three. So uh, all of all of your all of your males, uh, uh, good and bad, are are coming coming to me. 
uh, and to be it's clear, kind of you, you're taking over just Exemplar. You're not stepping up as L4 to replace no, Kim Warden. No, 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 <laughs> no. I don't. I don't. That is not in the cards for for me. I am just the new Exemplar Overlord and the AIPG Overlord and the AIPG Overlord and the and the Twitter and the judge Twitter, judge Twitter guys. <laughs> And the judge Twitter Twitter guy. And you're on JudgeCast. You're, you're on JudgeCast and the VC committee. Oh yeah, the VC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. That gives him information. <laughs> so, actually, I just, I'm just I'm var, Vars. I'm just the puppet master. I just pull, pull all the strings, have all the information. Yeah. No, it's wow. When you say it like that, yeah, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Any, I, anytime anyone comes to me with a project, I'm like, oh, no, I'm doing this thing every other week. Like, I can't do anything else. <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah. Well, I mean, here I, I looked at it, I was describing to, to Abe. I was like, you know, there's a lot of judges that have, like, weekends that they can give, you know, a whole weekends. But being a single dad, I have – I don't have weekends. I have from 9 to 11 every night. Right. So, uh, so there. <laughs> That translates into projects. Um, so what what we're looking what we're looking for uh, in in an exemplar rec rec is um, use like six of your ten minutes. By the way, yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. <laughs> um, what what we're looking what we're looking for is the exemplar pr- uh, program is where judges are able to uh, as peer to peer recognition of of behaviors that we want to encourage, we want to do positive reinforcement for. So um, what what we're looking for is we're looking for things like, you know, like good customer service, uh, uh, dedicate, and, and, that, and that, can, that can manifest itself in, in multiple different aspects because customer service is such a broad term. You know, I see I see people kind of warp it to mean all sorts of things on on Facebook discussions and stuff like that. But um, if you see a judge do something uh, that that you feel or or have a behavior that you feel is something that you want to not only encourage more of in that person, but you want other people to see that you value that so that maybe they can be encouraged to do the same thing. Um, it can be, it can be something, it can be something huge, like, um, handling, uh, uh, let's say the example of, you know, the fire alarm goes off, uh, at a large event and the head judge is able to, to calmly through, through, you know, his presence, that kind of thing, control the players to get them out of the building safely and get and get back in with minimal disruption to the event you know that's that's a really big grand sweeping thing you don't um, have to speak just as presence well just i'm like, saying he exists you know, and therefore everyone does the right thing well <laughs> just just being able being able to control a crowd uh uh being able to control a crowd and keep people calm and reassure them and that kind of thing that's above and beyond um, but it can also be it can also be like the the little the little actions where you at your F and M uh, people come in and you spend a lot of time you spend time with the new players and you start forming bonds and you get the players to to want to come back and you 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 help foster an inclusive environment you know like maybe someone's maybe someone you've got a player that's kind of toxic and you're able to deal with him appropriately uh, in a respectful manner and maybe changes changes attitude. Uh, that right there, that's also something, something exemplar, but, and, but, but at a small scale, like, so it doesn't have to just be big actions, big behaviors. It can be small actions, small behaviors as well. That was less than 10 minutes. Yeah, it was. <laughs> now tell us about your childhood. I was going to go with uh, impressive. Now release your anger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll do that after <laughs> we stop recording. All right, so uh, that's every, that's it for emails. Actually, we're all caught up. Uh, that was speedy. Um, we have a little bit of news to go over. We have two new level threes: Patrick Vorbroker, formerly of Florida, now in Virginia, right? Yes, Roanoke. Yes, Roanoke, yeah. Virginia. Well, sometimes, sometimes they don't live in Roanoke. I don't know. No, they all. It's if you're in Virginia, you're, it's it's like you're in Roanoke or the rest of Virginia. Yeah. The Star City. Yeah. Call that city. <laughs> or Nemesio Bolaños of 
parts unknown. Usually I say parts unknown, and then one of you pipes in and tells me where they're from. Not the slightest clue. I'll look it up. Bro. I'll look it up really quick. <laughs> um, however, he has the coolest first name. I keep reading it as Nemesis. I know. And I want to I want to meet this guy just so just so I can like I, I almost want him to be my nemesis. Uh, we have just a nemesis, Mirror Moriarty. Yeah, our email nemesis. Oh, we did. Yeah. Oh, we did. He was the guy that wanted to talk about slow play loops. all the time. And all he the hasn't time. Emailed us in a while. He is from Chile, not Moriarty, but <laughs> Nemesio. But Nemesio. Nemesio. I think it's Nemesio. Yeah. Nemesio. Yeah, Nemesio. Sorry, my four years of Spanish are failing me. Ali Alejandro uh, Bola. Bolaños, oh wow, there's a there's a letter in there. Um, <laughs> get, I'm not gonna try. Uh, get, yeah, I'm not gonna try. I'm gonna tap out. <laughs> All right, man. I can't even see the name of the cities from Ar Ar Arica. Arica. Ar Ar Arica. No, he's from Chile, but the city. <laughs> Arugula. Arica. Arica. You're just saying words now. I am. Some of them just... don't even start with A. <laughs> Erica. Erica. No, A. Come on. Arc. You live in Florida. Surely your Spanish is exemplary. No. That's statist. Brian Priaman. <laughs> that's how you pronounce your name. Yeah. All right. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Nicolette. Thanks for being on with us today. Reading some emails. No problem. From a petty officer rainwater from the Navy. Ahoy. As a ahoy. Ahoy and welcome to Judge Cast. Um, <laughs> we're ever on a boat recording. <laughs> oh man. That is how you have this. Whoa, 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 whoa. In charge. the Navy. Hold on, you need to be in the Navy, they're ships, they're not boats. <laughs> yeah, but we're gonna be on a boat. Yeah, we'll be on a boat. When we're on a ship, it's a boat. <laughs> I don't get it. Is that how that is that how that works? Yeah, it's just like when the president's on a plane, it's Air Force One. It's exactly the same concept. <laughs> I got I got a I got a coworker who's Navy and if I call a ship a boat, I get fussed at. The uh the only ship we're on is a friendship. No, not a pal ship? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow it. Alright, well. My name's CJ Schrader, I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks, I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, I keep it on a boat. <laughs> Wait, you want to say hi to everyone? Fine. Okay. Okay, hold on. So, does this have a microphone? And if so, how Hello! Brian, that was not your daughter. That was you making a voice. No, that was me! No, that's Brian. No, that's Daddy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Daddy. Oh, okay. I'll call him Daddy for the rest of the show. <laughs>